What's up, everybody? Yep. Time for a new episode of DFV. I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm your co-host, Brad. That is Brad, ladies and gentlemen. We got one that's, um. it seems like every episode I start off, I'll be like, this one was in the works when really we just have a schedule. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I just added this to the schedule and like we added this to the schedule and it was just on the uh, on the plate. But um, I wanted to make an excuse to have Brad watching uh, Akira Kurosawa film. Uh, have you seen one of his films before? I don't believe so. At the very least, there's none that I recognized off the list when I was pulling them up as uh, on Wikipedia. So this mm. is the first time I've seen something from him. I figured you would have at least saw Seven Samurai. That's a pretty classic one. That movie's inspired a lot of films, like from Star Wars to a lot of other movies. But um, yeah, Kira Kurosawa is a, a very um, influential filmmaker. He's a um, Japanese filmmaker. He's just he's just made a lot of like great like cinema that's inspired Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, uh, and even filmmakers today. So I wanted to um, compare um, uh, Akiru, which is one of his films, one of his late era films, I believe, uh, and so unlike his other movies too, versus uh, Living. Which uh, which came out in 2022, which is a uh, kind of a remake of Akiru. Um, yeah, and uh, they're both kind of inspired by Leo Tolstoy uh, short novella, The Death of uh, Ivan Illich. But uh, basically, um, just get right into it. I mean, these films uh, they both kind of have kind of the same storyline set in different times and different modern times, uh, different actors. But uh, I'm just ready to get into it. Unless you have any opening thoughts. Uh, no, I'm ready to just jump right into this one. All right, so we're going to start off with the 1952 uh, Akiru, directed by Akira Kurosawa. And uh, this film deals with a um, Tokyo bureaucrat that uh, finds out, um, you, you know, through a hospital visit that he has a uh, stomach cancer. Uh, his name is Kanji uh, Watanabe. And uh, his whole life has been monotonous. You know what I mean? He just goes to work, keeps his head down. Uh, you know, everyone else uh, sitting across from him, they just uh, do the work, don't talk. There's no um, there's no real like livelihood or camaraderie there. It's just do the work and, you know, go home to his, um, you know, son and daughter in law. And that's been his whole life ever since his uh, ever since his wife passed um, earlier in his life. And with him hearing this news of him having about six months to live or, or less, he decides that he's going to try to find meaning in his life. So um, it's kind of like a kind of a little bit like an odyssey. Where, um, you know, he walks about, he finds a, a drunk man in a bar that he befriends. The drunk man tries to give him the time of his life. And, you know, that kind of ends a little somberly. Uh, there was a woman that used to work on his team that was um, had a little bit more life in her than everyone else that worked at the office. And, you know, he tries to hang out with her and then that causes whispers. And it kind of just gets to the third act where he decides the one thing that will give him meaning is redeeming um redeeming something at his job that he's uh been putting off for so long or just like pushed to the side and pretty much that's what this film is is just trying to find the meaning of life when you really don't have that much time left to find it to find that meaning and uh i gotta say man this was my first time watching this for a while i was planning on doing like a little kurosawa marathon but you know as life happens you know th that can get in the way of certain uh cinema plans but uh, this dude has made a lot of movies, dude, like over like near 30 films in his career. And this film was going to be like on the like I said, on the on the late end of his career. So it would have took me a while to get to this. 
So I figured, let me just use this. Let me just use our show as an excuse to kind of just watch this movie. Um, well, it wasn't in his late career. I, I say it was like in kind of like his middle career. But I, I don't mean late era, mid, mid career Kurosawa. But um, watching this for the first time, I can I can see how how this film is kind of is different from his other films, which are kind of like samurai movies. Um, this one was like really like placed in like like a like real life. Um, this is placed in like modern time for for that time. You know, what yeah, I mean, it's for, a for, very for, somber drama. It's not an yeah, action flick at all. Not at all. So with so with this being your first time and your first time checking out Kurosawa, even though this is unlike his other movies, what, what did you think? So when it came to this one, it has a very slow start to it and everything like that. I do kind of like the humor that he throws into it with the narration where it's this man technically while he's not dead, he is dead because he lives, you know, the life of doing work just to be busy, not actually Mm -hmm. accomplish anything, but just to be busy. (laughs) Right. It has has a surprisingly dark comedic vibe to it, which I didn't expect. You know, like I like when he's in the hospital, he's talking (laughs) He's talking to somebody and somebody goes into the doctor. He says, hey, man, that guy right there, I think he's got stomach cancer. He says, you know, the the way they tell you is that, oh, you just got an ulcer. It's, it's nothing to worry about. And then they go. Yeah, it's uh, not even not worth gonna... doing surgery. <laughs> right. We're not going to do surgery. And then they say, um, oh, you know, you can eat whatever you want. Take drink whatever you want. And as he's breaking it more down to him, I love how you see the main actor played by Takashi Samura. He's like holding his his whole his jacket, feeling more and more terrified as the guy keeps talking because this might end up being. Like, well, he's you know, going through diagnosis. the symptoms and he's like, right. it starts with like extreme pain in your stomach. And then it gets right. hard to eat the foods that just last week you were able to eat. No problem. And then mm-hmm. he just as he's going into more and more detail, he just scrunches more and more up into a ball as you realize, oh, he's having all of these symptoms that he's mentioning. And I also love when he does go into the doctor's office and he, well, Mr. Watanabe, uh, it appears here that you have a small stomach ulcer. Nothing to worry about. Well, is there Mm -hmm. anything I should be doing? Eh, Just eat whatever you like, as long as it doesn't hurt you. (laughs) Right. And, And I love how in the film, even though it's kind of a scumbag move to not do surgery, I like how the guy, like one of the guys that works at the hospital says, why didn't you just tell him he's about to die? He was like, well, if you get told you got six months to live, how how would you feel? Like, you know, that wouldn't be good news to hear. But mm-hmm. then in my mind, I'm like, yeah, but you could have still, you could have still tried to prevent this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's still some, telling somebody, oh man, you're not going to believe this. You got six months to live is probably not the best way to do it. But right, you're a doctor. Course. You should be able to be like, hey, just so you know, it's something just, you know, it, most people don't survive this. It is something right. you have. It, you can't just lie to them and just let them be off and be like, oh, everything's going to be dandy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I like the terms that like I, I ain't going to lie to you. This movie was slow. It, it didn't need to be as long as it was even for that time. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I do like the journey he goes on. Like, I know I like when he meets the the drunken friend and the drunken friend, you know, he, he's a little bit of a drunk, but he's he's a nice drunk. He wants to take care of this guy. He's not trying to rob him. He really wants to give him a good time. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to show you a good time. You know, I'm going to you're, you're going to be a legend. 
you know, he takes them out to like, you know, the clubs and the bars, uh, takes them to like a strip tease and everything like that. And like, I like how throughout the night, it still, it still feels sad. Like yeah. when they're doing, when they're doing the karaoke and he's singing a song, everybody's just looking at him because he's, he's not singing it in a bad way, but it's like, dang, this guy's kind of a downer. What's going oh, on yeah. with him? It's a sad song he's singing about how, you know, right. no matter how long you live your life, if you don't accomplish anything, that just makes it a pointless life. And that's mm-hmm. that's the song he's singing at this, like, karaoke bar. So everybody's kind of just staring at him like, what the hell are you? Because before, everybody was, like, dancing, like, jumping right, around, right. you know, having a blast. And then he starts singing. And everybody's just like, what the hell, man? Come on. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. So when we're going from that, um, and that kind of ends where it ends, we get to uh, his his fraught relationship with his son. Um, dude, it, in this version and in the British version, I just I can't stand a daughter in law. I, I can't stand like how she is towards him. Yeah, like, because yeah, like even when they first walk in the house, she's like, "Dude, we need to move out of here with your little, you know, old." crummy dad and then he's sitting in the living room and, and she's like oh uh, you know you gave us a startle <laughs> in the next room the son's like I, I think he heard us like you know um but i think in this one and we'll, we'll talk about the british one but i think in this one that the, the son is very much more stern towards the dad because it's just like i don't think they know how to communicate with each other mm-hmm. like um ever since the loss of his mother and we get that great montage of when the kid is saying, hey, we're 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 getting away from mom when mom's the when the when the hearse of his mother is like driving ahead of them, and then his son is playing baseball. <laughs> One guy next to him, I, I don't know what he said. He said, uh, dang, that kid sucks, or something like that. And yeah, that was it was he was like sitting next to the guy, and his son was up to bat, and he like ran for the wrong base or something. And something like that. Yeah, the guy's like, man, he sucks. And you just see Watanabe just slowly sit back down, you know, after being all proud and everything. Right. And then you see his son go off to war and, you know, him not knowing how to deal with that. These these are two characters that don't know how to deal with their feelings. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's uh, that's poetic in a way. So meanwhile, the whole time, everybody's at the office like, uh, is he is he coming back? Like, should we just keep working or what are we going to do here? You know, everybody's just carrying on like nothing's going on. And um, I like how he finally uh, runs into, um, I think her name was uh, Sakai in this one. Uh, the young lady who, uh, oh, no, 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 Toyo. Uh, Toyo. He runs into Toyo, who, uh, who was a young uh, lady that used to work with him. Uh, she recently quit and took up a new job. So with her... It's kind of the same thing with the drunk guy. You know, he he tries to find a purpose hanging out with her like he did with the other guy. And uh, he, through her, he, he he sees a little bit of like, what's it like to be young and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you could tell towards the end, it gets a little gets a little sad when she's like, listen, you know, hanging out with you is cool and all. But, you know, I kind of I, 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 I kind of I got I, I got a life. Yeah. You know, I can't hang out with you all the time. It, this is starting to get people to whisper, you know, it's it's not right. good for me. It's, you know, you're, you're taking up my time. I'm supposed to be young and alive. And instead, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're not as lively and, yeah, trying to be like as nice as possible with it, but still like let him down in a way right. that's like, look, this needs to stop. 
And I like how he's even like, well, how about just tonight? Tonight's the last time. No, because then it'll, tomorrow it'll be the last night. Right. And then the day after that, it'll be the next n- last night. So it has to end here. And then she proceeds to go out with him that night. Right. She's like, okay, we'll do it. It's fine. Like, yeah. like well, just tonight. And then that's when he tells her, because I think I think she's the only one he tells um, uh, that, he, that he has cancer. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and then you know she feels even bad reacting. She she also looks kind of like creeped out in a way too, because he's all up in her face. Like, do you understand? I I need to feel something. Mm-hmm. And you know she's like, well, this this is just all I do. I just go to work and I do this. She, yeah. she puts the bunny, and it's just I was I don't know. That's just a random scene. Like I don't know what the bunny was supposed to represent, but I, I think the bunny was just supposed to represent like she does something for kids, and that's how she feels alive. Is she knows that like kids are getting joy out of something that she's putting her time into, which is what inspires him to go. Oh, there's there's a park project that's been just getting thrown around the entire like city council, and nobody's mm-hmm. doing anything. Maybe that can be my way of like finding joy in the world is doing something that I know kids will get enjoyment out of. Right. And so this leads it was the parallel between that. Right. And this leads to like the third act, which I feel like if it was shortened down would be perfect. But because it drags out, I it it's still good. The the beats in the third act are good. It's just it's just dragged out so much. So um, the way the structure of the story goes is he goes back to work. Everyone is like, "Oh, sir, you're back." He's like, "Hey, where's that? Where's that? Um, that that playground uh petition we got that we kept doing the runaround with? Oh, you got to go to public works. Oh, you got to go to parking. I mean, I mean, not public parking. You got to go to painting. Sewage. You, you got to go to the fire department. You got to go to these people." Right. They go, well, it's 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 over there. So he gets it. He goes, um, all right, gentlemen, let's go take care of this. And then we get like this. Uh, this we, we get like this jarring cut, which was jarring to me in the beginning. But I like it in terms of the structure where we cut straight to the funeral, where the, the narrator comes back like, oh, yeah, you know, the guy died. Yeah. You know? our, our protagonist is now dead. <laughs> right. But I like how the film kind of like, you know, kind of gives you that because I'm looking at the timeline. I'm like, there's like 30 more minutes left in this movie. Like, what? Mm-hmm. What's got to happen? Like a musical number or something? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I like how the film carries from there, and like through everyone's like testimony at his funeral, kind of like at the after party or the after get together after the funeral, they start talking about like, yeah, I remember he he never quit with that playground, and he said, yeah, I remember he did this, and one guy was like, yeah, and I remember then he did this, and um, the one that stuck out to me the most was like. It's really random. Like these, he ran into like these mobsters, like like oh, that was yeah. trying to stop. Yeah, these these mobsters that that was trying to stop the playground from happening. And one guy tries to intimidate him. Like, look, old man, don't you value your life? Take a hike. And I like the creepy smile he gives him. Yeah, like, he like, just kind of stares him down and smiles. And the dude's like, right. I don't, I don't know what to do with this information. This is <laughs> right. He just kind of just backs away. And I like how he smiled at the irony in his life. He's he smiling at the irony in his mind. Like, don't you value you, your life? And he kind of like just gives him a dark smile. And the guy just like, yeah, like you say, he didn't know what to do. I, I was half um, expecting him to just say no. <laughs> and then try and continue <laughs> walking in the door. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, one thing I really like about the ending um, I like how this film plays it off because it's very powerful because it's, it's 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 sad and bittersweet is that um, they say at the at the after party, like, 
like we're, we're going to have the same kind of conviction uh what Tana B had you know it's, when the petition comes to our desk we're not going to give it the run around we're going to we're going to stand firm like him and then when we um cut to work the next day or whatever they get something that's been given the run around and then they go well we'll just keep it here for now and then one guy stands up like cuz like he's he's upset that they he went back on his word like we're supposed to keep the same conviction as him and then everybody just kind of like you know, kind of looks down and the mm-hmm. main guy just kind of stares back at him like nothing's changed. And it's such a sad moment because it, it kind of shows that like like no no not not many people have the conviction and guts like Watana B has. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean he also went into it with nothing to lose. And right. everybody's like, Oh, that's so inspiring. I'm gonna be inspired to do which is a, a great allegory for like actual business where people are like oh my god i'm so inspired to keep doing stuff oh that's perfect yeah. we got this project to work on uh, not today <laughs> right right absolutely like um yeah it's, it's really about that like like it's about saying like uh words versus actions right mm-hmm. like oh i'm i'm inspired to to learn a new skill every day but then as day by day goes on it's like yeah i'll go I'll, I'll, I'll go play with my Xbox for a minute. Right. You know, like, yeah, I, I, I like that. And I like how in the end, I like the, um, the, uh, something, um, I, I, oh, there was a cop that was also at the party, I believe, that said, yeah, man, he, I saw him swinging from a playground once. And I was about to ask him, like, hey, what are you doing here in the middle of the night? But the song he was singing, I felt like he was in a certain, he was in a certain element. So I just left him alone. And um, I like the shot of him uh, swinging on the swing set. And then you see one of the bureaucrats, um, you know, look at the playground that he's responsible. Watanabe was responsible for getting made. And uh, it's, a, it's a nice, cute final shot. Yeah. I mean, also, when they're going through, like, the funeral proceedings and everything like that, or the wake, it, the one part is... All the different like department heads are there that he'd been working with on this project to get it going and everything. And they each like try taking credit for the part like, well, it wasn't actually him that did it. You know, technically it was the this department that got everything rolling with this. And he was kind of overstepping his bounds by even going to this department to ask them for stuff because you know, he didn't stay in line with uh, how you're supposed to be and, you know, how everything works at the city council. So mm-hmm. it's another thing where, like, everybody's like, oh, man, we should totally, like, keep his legacy alive while also, like, trying to discredit him from having done anything at all. You mm-hmm. know, because yeah. they're even like, oh, well, yeah, the only reason that it got done is because it was election season and the mayor had to approve something to you know, get in the votes. And that's the only reason it got done. And so as we're seeing these cuts to everything that he was doing and all these people he was talking to and all the work that he was putting in to get this done and everything, it's, it's another sad thing where, you know, no matter what he did, even though he ended his life doing something great, people were just trying to take the credit for it because he was no longer there to take the credit as well mm. as diminish what he had done. And right. I also love the what well, the joke at the beginning of the movie that the one girl starts laughing at that kind of goes, <laughs> uh, 
it's not that I took a day off because I was afraid that this place would crumble because I wasn't there. It's because I didn't take a day off because I was afraid that they would realize that they don't need me the second I'm gone. Oh, I just caught that. That's genius. That's a, that's a genius joke in the beginning because it's yeah. it, it connects to him. Oh, man, I just caught that. Oh, that's good. That's very good. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things where it's... It, there's so many great wraparounds for this movie and mm. I'll agree the last like third of it is very weirdly paced out and elongated it, it needs to be shortened. yeah but I do love the way that they did it where you know he immediately like gets the spark to do it and then we're jumped to his funeral where people are talking about it because it allowed it to kind of quickly cut between like important moments as he's talking to different departments without it seeming weird Mm-hmm. But the parts where they're all just sitting there and talking did go longer than they should have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, when I'm looking at this, uh, this is a very, this film has very strong, poignant moments. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's just, it's just very long. Like, I, and I get it. Older films can be longer, but like, there's a lot of older films that are longer that soak up every second. You know what I mean? Like Lawrence of Arabia soaks up every second. Like that's not a boring movie to me. Akira, it took a while for me to get into it. Like it had some boring moments, but like the story was pretty great. And uh, the, the, the direction was pretty great too. It's Kurosawa. Um, I get to, for, for the sake of how powerful the story was, as well as the acting, I give it a very, very light four. Uh, I give it a 3.5. It, it has yeah, a strong start to me, but yeah. it it kind of lost me after like that beginning narration where it kind of had that comedic kind of stuff and everything. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. this this is gonna be interesting, and then it just has a lot of boring dialogue that honestly I don't remember much of, and it didn't seem to have any real purpose to the movie, and it didn't really mm-hmm. start picking up again to me until he like had the night out with the drunk guy. And the movie started picking up pace a little bit more with, you know, oh, him doing this and trying to do this. And then after that, he runs into the old employee and he starts having that whole trying to feel young by grasping onto something like the night he had with the drunk guy. And that's when the movie started picking up for me. And then, yeah, that last third kind of just started screeching to a halt as it kind of like went on with people just sitting in a circle talking about how he didn't really accomplish That's anything right. and it was like oh, okay this is uh <laughs> that dragged man yeah i i asked yeah that kind of dragged um but all right you know that's uh that's it for that one now let's uh move on to the next one and that brings us to Living, which came out just last year, 2022, and is currently streaming on Netflix. Basically is a movie completely inspired by Akiru, down to the story beats and everything. This time we follow Rodney Williams as he works for the city council and gets diagnosed with cancer follows the same kind of story beats where he kind of decides to hide this from his family. He goes through meeting a drunk guy, having the night on the town there, even runs into a previous co-worker, having kind of that whole thing there with her, and then eventually getting to the park. 
and rebuilding a park. It basically is the same movie and even starts off saying that it's inspired by Akiru. But this one, I think, has its benefit where it has a shorter runtime. This one clocks in just about an hour and a half versus the two hours and 20 minutes of Akiru, which allowed this one to get rid of a lot of the fluff that the previous Mm -hmm. movie had, where it does better on the timing. But the one thing with it is it's pretty much just beat for beat the exact same movie. And it is. It's just instead of it being like a, you know, mosquito infested kind of swampland, it was a World War II kind of uh, bomb site that mm. people are complaining about where it's just a bunch of rubble and everything like that. He comes to work, does the same thing. It doesn't have that kind of dark humor from a narrator's standpoint on this one, which I kind of missed where, you know, I feel like, I feel like in Akiru, that one was kind of, I feel like it was kind of like, um, out of place in general. Like, cause I feel like if you're going to lead up with that kind of like dark comedic narration, you got to keep that throughout the entire film. It's like the narrator went away for like an hour and 30 minutes, then came back (laughs) like, Hey, you miss me. (laughs) Like I forgot you existed. But at the same time, uh, it was kind of missed in this one where it's like, oh, come on. We don't get the narrator at all in here. But mm. yeah, we still get the same kind of thing with, you know, this time Rodney Williams. But it this one, I don't know why, but it didn't have the same kind of like energy that Akiru had, in my opinion. And maybe it's because I watched them back to back. And it was literally the same story being told just, you know, this time in London. See, when I watched this, I watched them back to back as well. I watched Akiru and then this. This one felt way more lively to me. Um, It it wasn't because it was in color either. It was because um, I think the plot was faster. Like um, Kazuo uh, uh, Ishiguro, who uh, adapted the script from uh, Akiru, he wrote that... um, that novel never let me go that got made into that movie uh it was it's a very popular um uh, book you know anyway he adapted the script for this and i think the story beats go by way faster um, they do. i think the film i think the film has a very like um it gets to the point and there's still even though it's a short film there's still enough room in it for death and i feel like um you know bill nye's uh lead performance is uh just as good as uh, Takashi Shimura's performance in uh, the original film. Like, um, I feel like they both bring their own nuances to uh, to this role. And I feel like, yeah, there's, there's not enough dark humor in this one, but I like um, I like the polishedness of it. Because let's mm-hmm. be real, Akira was from the 50s. And even though it's a great movie, with this one right here, you could tell with the updated 2022 cinematography, it, it's very polished, but it's not too polished where it looks, it's not, where it doesn't look uppity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it it definitely comes off more as like a newer age movie and everything like that. But after watching Akiru, like a lot of the things like the relationship that he has with, you know, the one previous worker that came from like the Parks Department that recognizes him, their Mm -hmm. relationship just comes off a lot creepier in this one where... In Akira, it isn't exactly like, oh, this is all cute and fancy and everything like that. I felt the opposite. 
I felt it was a little more creepy in the Kiru. Really? Just, just yeah, a a a Kiru. Yeah, yeah. Just because of the the facial expressions Shimura would make. Like, oh yeah, know, like, well yeah, he was a fantastic you know, actor in that regard. Right, he was like leaning all up on her. I'm like, dang, like wide eyed, just oh. <laughs> right, I'm like, dude, this guy was all up on me. I feel uncomfortable too. In this one, Bill Nye respectfully has that has that has that presence of a uh, oh oh uh, well, I, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. Like he kind of has that. He has not more just of inte- a gentleman approach to it. But at the same time, right. he does just turn up to her work and like, oh, what time do you get off? Well, because there's a play going on and I would hate to go by myself. And it, it's just <laughs> it's a little like even when she's like, well, I got to go. Oh, but I'm sure that you're going to do great at this game. Let's <laughs> let's play the game. The The goal is to get the rabbit. Come on, let's get the rabbit. <laughs> I, I guess we got different takes on it, uh, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. You know what? What I want to say about this movie, though, is um, yeah, I, I like like I just like how smoothly it goes in con- in contrast to the other one. There's not a lot of fluff here. It, it gets to the point. Like if I saw this film and I never saw Akiru, I, I would be I'd be like, man, that was a great, like well, like like that was a great film with a lot of death. Even with me seeing Akiru, I I still think it's a great film with a lot of death. Like I like when he meets the um the drunk, and this one is Mr. Sutherland. Like I even like their little like rapport with each other. Like he's he's sitting at the uh, diner just ranting to the wait to the to the uh, to the waitress, and she's just hearing him out just to pass the time. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, "Excuse me, young man, I don't mean to intrude. Ah, you're 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 very welcome to intrude, sir. You could join in on the conversation. You know, the guy's like, hey, I I like to have a word with him um, alone. And the waitress <laughs> is like, uh, okay. yeah, okay." <laughs> He just walks away. Like, where's she gonna go? She works there. Mm-hmm. And he just he says, "Um, I, I'm I'm assuming I'm invited to sit with you." He says, "Yes, yes, please." And he's like, he's pulling out the liquor, and I love how the actor Tom Burke he grabs the liquor and just puts it to his face, kissing it. Like he's like so happy to 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 get liquor. He says, "And you can have this, and this, and this." Uh, I found out I'm diagnosed with something, so I don't really need it anymore. You know. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they uh, kind of take the night on the town. And um, everything kind of plays out the same way it does in the original film. Uh, but I like how there's this one moment. There's this one strange moment that happens, but I feel like it fits so well in the movie where, like, when they go to, like, the striptease place, he kind of, like, wanders off. And the key where the guy just starts barking out of nowhere. He goes, uh, oh, he goes, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Like, I don't know. It's in, in living and this one, he kind of just wanders off. And then, you know, uh, Mr. Sutherland goes walking after him. And then uh, he just comes back from out of the darkness. And it's just like him just staggering and them just like walking off and continuing the night. But uh, I like that. And I like how there's different variations on how to play this character uh, in, in both films. But I was going to say that the the, um, the new character I liked in this movie was uh, Mr. Wakeling. You know, I liked um, Alex Sharp's character. He's the guy we start off with in this film. You know, he's happy to go to work. He has he has energy, and everyone's like, "Oh yes, hmm. you know, yes, lovely day." You know, and <laughs> I like when he first meets Bill Nye's character from outside the cab. They go, "Oh, he doesn't ride with us." Hmm. You know, he just he, we just tip our hat to him. <laughs> yeah, and then when he first meets him, he uh, he goes, uh, "Hello, gentlemen." He walks ahead. He's about to he's about to like walk after him. The guy stops him with the umbrella 
And then he says, okay, now you can walk after me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, his character was to... definitely yeah. welcome in the movie because it also helps with the third act, with the pacing mm-hmm. for there. Because with that, we kind of follow him as he's, you know, kind of going over everything that happened with uh, Rodney Williams. You know, after his passing and going through the park and all that discovery. It, it, it kind of works out a lot better than Akiru where... It, we just follow a bunch of people from the parks department talking about how they should get credit for it. This time we got to see him kind of going through the entire process mm-hmm. and it yeah. does have that same kind of like jump where it's like, and he's dead now. Anyway, here's the flashbacks to what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. I like that jarring cut though, because I feel like even in a hero, uh, uh, Akiro, it did well with like structure and narration. Like I feel yeah. like I don't mind the jarring cut in either film. But um, I was gonna say uh, one of the things I liked about that was different in this film from the, from the original one. Um, the son isn't much of a uh, dick. Uh, you could tell he kind of loves his dad, but he just doesn't. They just don't know how to talk to each other. Where in Akiro, he kind of shamed his dad a little bit. You know, from influence of the daughter-in-law, mm-hmm. like dad. You know, we don't. We don't matter. We don't care what kind of women you hang out with. But, you know, just don't do it near here. People are talking like we don't care if you go into debauchery, you know, where in this film, he just doesn't know what to say. Like like his, the whole time. I love how the daughter in law the whole time is trying to nudge him to say something. And uh, he's like, um, oh, it's a nice game the other day. His yeah, that's right. Like, At the dinner table scene where he's like, come on, are you going to, you know, and she's like very, you know, uh angrily like putting food on his plate to hand to him and yeah yeah, i I thought that was kind of funny where it's like oh yeah yeah anyway (laughs) i like how at one point he just straight up says you know um there was a time when you could do things in london and it stays in london but now uh you know word travels and i like how rodney pauses and says oh yes dear i I believe i guess you are right about that they just move forward and don't talk about it i love it i also like that in this one after his father passes his uh son approaches what was her name in this one uh miss harris who was Mm -hmm. the girl that was spending time with rodney and Mm kind of goes did my father know that he was going to die like his entire attitude changed very drastically the last so five months or so Mm -hmm. did he know because he never told me and that's something that didn't happen in akuru what or akiru was Mm -hmm. you know his son just kind of went yeah he had no idea and they kind of just talked about it a little bit during the wake and then kind of brush it off to the side this one, they actually showed his son cared a little bit more. We're like, hey, yeah. you talked with him a lot. You were with him before his drastic change. Did he know? Because, yeah. you know, if he did, it's kind of shitty that he never told me. Because it never gave me the time to process that information. Instead, it just came suddenly. Yeah, like I said, I feel like this film adds more depth that uh, that wasn't there in Akiru. You know, um, I don't know... Well, I'll get into my verdict later, but um, I feel like it it definitely has more depth that uh that that for for moments that were missing in the original film, and I like that. I like that the son like kind of confronts her in a nice way, like, "Hey, did did, did he already know?" Mm-hmm. Um, I even like the side 
And I like how the film doesn't push it in your face because you know it's going to happen from like the first time they see each other. But I like how the the love story between Mr. Wakeling and Miss Harris, I like how it's like it's, it's subtly told over a montage mm-hmm. after the funeral. Like, I, I like that. I like how it's like uh, it's not shoved down our face being like, OK, these two are going to get shipped. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I like that. I thought that was a nice that was a nice touch. But um. I like how when they're all in the cab and they're all given the different experiences of working with him and everything, um, you know, we don't get no mobsters this time around. No. <laughs> uh, but uh, I like how, uh, yeah, you know, he goes to each one and says, uh, he's just the one guy. OK, well, how long are you going to take? I'll get to it. I'll get to it. He goes, uh, well, I'll just wait right here until you do it. He goes, uh, you don't really have to do that. He says, no, I, he says, he says it's going to take a long time. Oh, time is all I got, my boy. You know, I, <laughs> he just sits down in the chair. Yeah, I like how in one place, one guy says, I mean, if you're asking me to do it, I'll do it, Rodney. You know, I, I, Mr. Williams, if you're asking for me to do it. And I like how he shakes everybody's hand. Like the, like a lot of the montage, even though we saw it in the key room, seeing it the way it was filmed in this one, kind of had me smiling from ear to ear. You know, like I, uh, I like the way, I really like the way Bill Nye played this character. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree when it comes to like the character like Bill Nye did great. It was done great. Nakira, I don't think I have a favorite for who portrayed it because I think they both portrayed it in different ways that equally adds to the story they were telling. So I wouldn't go, oh, it was better portrayed in this movie to this one, because I think they both did very well for, you know, their different ways of portraying the character. But Mm. I, I like the additions they made in this one. It's just the fact that some of the scenes came off a little bit more flat versus Akiru to me. So like him going around with a drunk person in Akiru, it just seemed more poppy with, you know, the drunk guy and everything like that with, you know, him making mm-hmm. like the little remarks here and there and, you know, everything like that. And, you know, Oh, it, your hat's gone. It, you know, the women in there are crazy. It'll cost you 12 more hats before you get that one back, you know, and just rushing him around and stuff where the, you know, living, it comes off a little bit more like, oh, it, it this is a younger guy trying to give an older guy a good night. It doesn't seem as chaotic. Right. It, it seems a little bit more somber. It's, it, yeah, and it seems kind of fun, too. Like, I like when he gets his hat taken, just like an original film. He gives him the same piece of dialogue. Oh, no, no. You go looking for that. You, you'll put up paying way more than when you did when you originally got the hat. And then when they're sitting down, they point at another guy's head who has the hat on. And I thought that was kind of funny. I yeah. was like, oh, I don't remember seeing that in the original one. I don't um, think they had that in the original from what I recall. But yeah, it, yeah, I don't know why, but just a lot of those scenes that were played out in this one, it, they just came off as, you know, a little bit slower paced Mm -hmm. for some of those versus in akiru but the additions they made in living i 100 loved you know like Mm -hmm. the introduction of you know uh the what's his guy's name from the beginning um mr wakeling mr wakeling yes Mm -hmm. where all his scenes were very well done and kind of added a little bit extra for that third act Instead yeah. of us, you know, following just a ran- bunch of random people, we got to follow somebody that we saw at the beginning of the story. 
and it has the same impact where he's kind of going through and he even goes to the park at night and talks with the officer and you know has the whole thing yeah i saw him on the swing one day and i was wondering what he was doing and he but he seemed happy oh, I do you love think he scene. was happy <laughs> and it's like i he was happy yeah i i love that scene because it's better that he talked to the officer then than at the funeral like it happened in the original. Because yeah. I feel like it, it really ties everything into a bow. I'm like, oh, man, they brought the officer at this point. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was a that was a, that was a wonderful scene. Uh, I was going to say, uh, you know, what's funny. I felt like when he was when he was walking off with the drunk guy in this one, even in the last one. Did, you, ever, you remember that scene from Pinocchio, the, the Disney one where Pinocchio goes off with the bad kid and they go to the city. We're all the we're oh all the, the theme kids. park city right we're all we're all the bad kids go like I felt like that when I was watching this like, <laughs> like because like 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 uh like he's becoming like a real boy yeah <laughs> um yeah man I gotta say uh Akiro is a classic and a classic for for good reason but um dude I like this one a whole lot more I just felt like it it, it popped more to me it resonated more with me. And there was just no fluff to it. Um, I gave Akira a light four, but I'm giving this one a strong four. Yeah, I would have to say that I, I give this one a four because it does have better pacing with it. The additional character of Mr. Wakeling is great addition and stuff. It mm-hmm. does a lot of things better than Akira did. But at mm-hmm. the same time, there are some things that it's like, OK, I think these scenes were done better in Akira, you know, when it came to that. And then obviously when it comes to the main actors in both of these movies, they both did a fantastic job. I don't think anybody in these movies like was miscast. I was like, Oh, I didn't like that character from the casting standpoint. Uh, obviously the son comes off as a terrible person in Akira. So you're not meant to like him, but I don't think mm-hmm. the actor was you know bad in that position. So mm-hmm. that, that that's a good thing when you, come across like a remake to have everybody kind of fall in place as the characters and the actors and everything. Cause usually there's the situation where you're like, Oh, well this person in the original was much better than this person. It's like in this one, I feel like they both movies did a good job in getting people for those roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But, I would, uh, I would definitely agree with you. So, but with this one, I would say if you're planning to watch the movie, watch Living. It's mm-hmm. it has some better aspects to it, but if you really want to get like an idea of what the original vision was for Akiru, definitely Just check it Akiru. out. It's it, it's available on HBO Max, I think, and Canopy. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, man, I think if we were to do a verdict here, I mean, uh Living wins out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's the way the cookie crumbles, folks. Uh, let's head into after show. Uh, you seen anything lately? Uh, currently, I haven't been watching too much. Just catching up on a couple TV shows and everything like that. But nothing nice. too major. I'm going to probably check out to see Indiana Jones soon. See how that goes. Um, that's right. Yeah, that I comes always... out soon, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it felt like it kind of crept up on us, didn't it? Yeah, I kind of forgot that that one like, was coming until I saw like a preview for it uh, a couple days back. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's still coming, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I'm probably gonna check that out, uh, dude. I went to see No Hard Feelings with um, Jennifer Lawrence. I, I got a screening invite for that one, but I, I couldn't make it to it. So I was questioning because I hadn't heard anything prior to getting the screening invite for it, and I was like. What is this? It has Jennifer Lawrence. How have I not heard about this movie yet? Oh, you didn't even hear about it. No. That was the first time I heard oh, about okay. it. It was going, hey, do you want to see this movie? And it was like, do I want to see this movie? Well, uh, I got to tell you, man, pretty funny movie. Pretty okay. funny movie. It's a it's a raunchy comedy. And uh, Jennifer Lawrence does great in the role. Uh, she's, she's actually pretty funny in the movie. Um, her co-star in the movie is pretty funny, too. I got to look up his name. But uh, basically, it's about a woman that, um, you know, she's uh, she's low on cash and she's got to save her parents house. Uh, she lives in Montauk and basically all the rich people are moving into Montauk and she hates them. So mm. uh, she gets she gets an offer from uh, Matthew Broderick and um, another woman who are, uh, you know, uh, Matthew Broderick and Laura Benetti, who play two rich parents. Uh, and she wants her to, like, date her um, her awkward date their awkward son who's moving off to college and you know basically take his virginity and uh if she does that they'll give her a car to be able to like uber some more until she can pay off her house um you you gotta understand this woman is kind of like like down on her luck Mm -hmm. she's like all right i'll I'll do it i'll date i'll date the introverted kid um but he's such an unsexy awkward kid that it's it's hard to get him out of his shell and that's part of the comedy of it and uh, it's a funny movie, man. I, my wife and I had a good laugh out of it. And that's <laughs> the way you described it to me. You basically just went, yeah, the parents hired Jennifer Lawrence to be a long term prostitute. <laughs> Not long term, short term. Just, oh, just, short term. Oh, one OK. T- <laughs> just 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 one time and you get the car and, you know, you, <laughs> you never have to hear from us again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. I Like that is the plot of the movie. OK. Uh, interesting. But of course, you know. Right. But of course, things get complicated when she learns how to like, you know, how great of a kid he is and not kid, but how great of a young man he is. And that <laughs> parents don't understand him. And, you know, like, you know how it goes. Yeah. Uh, but it's a good movie. man. It's, it's pretty funny. But oh, oh, I know what I meant to tell you. Um, I wrote a review for it. I don't know if I told you this on the last episode. Do we talk about the blackening? Yeah, you told me that it's one that I definitely had to check out because the dark humor oh. in it is just it's on point and i do i want to check that one out i just haven't had a chance to make it to the theater yet okay well then i don't need to rehash that uh yeah no hard feelings is funny but you need to see the black i know it's it's on my list if i have a chance to make it to the theater this week it's definitely going to be one of the ones i'm eyeballing to see Mm, okay okay yeah well i mean yeah that's about it that's that's what i saw that was a pretty good one um secret invasion uh you checked it out yet i have not i've just seen the first reactions that people have had uh mostly Mm. about the fact they use like ai art in the opening and closing credits which is something that's like whining about that yeah i kind of agree with it where it's like Mm -hmm. yeah if marvel wanted the aesthetic they can hire the people to get that kind of aesthetic. It's not like Marvel's strap for cash or Disney's strap for cash where they're like, well, crap, we got to use this free program to make this artwork. It's one of those ones where it's like, okay, that is kind of, you know, a shitty situation for them to do because that artwork was Mm -hmm. always one of the cool things of seeing at it. Like I would 
argue that uh one of the like cooler aspects of like the mandalorian is during the credits it would show like the concept art for the episode which is a Mm -hmm. really cool thing and then you have secret invasion which is just using ai art to use as background images for it it's like uh that is such a cop out of it being like well it's supposed to be kind of this mystery like oh what's real nothing's real anymore so it has to have that kind of stylized approach where everything's uncanny Mm -hmm. valley it's like you can hire somebody to do that though very easily yeah i i didn't see a lot of it but a lot of people was like dude this looks creepy and Mm -hmm. i was like oh okay um yeah, yeah. I, I can understand how using AI might kind of like uh, turn some people off. Uh, I heard HBO is a uh, I don't know if it was HBO, but some some company is hiring like a, um, is going to hire like a hire AI for a certain type of function. But I forgot uh, what the news was. A lot of them are developing like new ways to use AI to manage uh, mm-hmm. content kind of suggestions and everything. Because there's already algorithms to kind of shift everything to be like, oh, if you like this, you'll like this and you'll like this. I know that uh, I want to say it was Disney that was kind of starting to work with AI a little bit to create better Mm -hmm. systems for recommending shows and movies, you know, (laughs) which on one level is like what... I'm curious to see how it would be different than the algorithms they already use. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see that, too. It's a funny thing I heard. I don't know if the article was real. Was that a studio head was like, dude, AI is scary. You think that thing can't figure out new codes? <laughs> <laughs> see, that's just a complete misunderstanding of what AI is at this point. That it was hilarious. I hope that was a satirical article I saw. But um, I wanted to... Dude, did you met, Did you hear about the Titanic thing? Uh, how could I not hear about the Titanic thing? Oh, my goodness. That was crazy. Yeah, the, the fact that it went on for an entire week of people like... it, Which I will say, people make good jokes about it. I, I won't lie. Mm. There's some really good jokes out there about it. But it's like, come on. This is... Yeah, this <laughs> is right. f- five people that lost their lives and everything. And I love how everybody's also going, look, man, I'm, I'm not expecting to go to heaven anymore. I laughed at too many of those uh, billionaires dying on the Titanic jokes. Yeah. I, yeah, dude, I just I, I thought it was so like uh, I thought it was so random because I, I we're not ran- Well, yeah, random. because I'm like, OK, so they went to submarine to take a excavation excavation to, to look at the titanic and i'm like okay so i know some people that uh that was like well how could how could how could they even hear the banging down there underwater i'm like i'm like i don't know i guess sound echoes in in, in the deep sea i don't know there, there's ways that they can hear noises underwater using like the vibrations okay. underwater and everything is how they can uh predict like uh earthquakes and everything and tsunamis yeah. it's like there, there's the technology if you don't understand like how can they hear noises underwater it, that that's your concern right now that's <laughs> that's your main question not why would five people go into a tin can that shouldn't have been able to go below like three thousand feet down to twelve thousand feet and thought well i 
I've seen boats above water, but I've never seen a boat underwater before. So that's definitely worth $250,000, which is enough to buy a whole other boat that would be above the water. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm, listen, folks, we're not laughing that people lost their lives. We just we were kind of laughing at kind of responses to the whole situation. Like, the but, situation but itself is completely insane. <laughs> Right. I even like how they asked, you know, they had to ask James Cameron about it. Oh, and yeah. James Cameron is like, yeah, this whole thing was a shit show. Yeah. This, this was not this was not meant to go underwater. I don't know what these people were thinking. Yeah. Which it, when it comes to like, I, I love when things like this happen and they're like, we got to ask celebrities when it comes to celebrities to ask about this. James Cameron is literally the best person because he does underwater voyages yeah. constantly. Like he's yeah, he, I think he's knows more about underwater voyages than he does VFX at this point. And people call him the king of VFX for his work on like Avatar and everything like that. So it's like, that's how high of a prestige he has in that industry for him to be able to go. Yeah, I heard about what they were doing and I've talked with them before and they were not doing anything properly. I even tried to give them notes about it and they just blew it all off. Mm, that's horrible. Yeah, that's really horrible. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, you know, of course, condolences to the families and, and everything of, uh, you know, who lost loved ones. But yeah, that was a uh, that that was just that just threw me for a loop because that just like took over my whole news. Because I at first I was like, okay, Titanic, people going to see the Titanic, cool. But then it, it, when they said they went missing, I was like, okay, they're gonna find them, right? I mean, come on, like people knew this was happening, right? And then it said, like, uh, you know, we, we're, we're still, like, they got about 48 hours of oxygen left. I said, wow, they really lost the ship? Yeah. Like, well, I, it, yeah. even the most insane part of it is, like, every 15 minutes, the story got crazier to the point that you're kind of expecting the stupidest things to come out of it. Because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they went underwater to see that Titanic. Okay, that's kind of weird, but okay. They lost the ship. They lost it? How do you lose a ship? Well, it right. didn't actually have any communication methods outside of SMS. Wait, so this thing could only communicate to above text. water through text messages? Well, yeah, and there wasn't actually any way to steer the ship, so they had to use a game controller. I'm sorry, what? They had to use a game controller? And it was a carbon fiber made, you know, aluminum body. It's like, they were putting carbon fiber aluminum down. Well, look, they had to drill the monitor to control everything into the carbon fiber. They drilled into the carbon fiber. And at this point, you're just like, I'm surprised it lasted as long as it did. It imploded at about 12,000 feet. I'm surprised it got below two. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it, the whole thing is crazy. The whole thing is crazy for sure. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, I was going to say something else here, uh, but I forgot. Um, well, when it comes to me, I'll, uh, I guess I'll, I'll let you know. But uh, hey, folks, thanks for coming by. Thanks for stopping by with another episode of DFV. Don't forget to uh, keep watching movies, love movies, and uh, take care.